Bill can't hear anything. Can't hear anything. All right, now joining the Orange Report, Robert Westfall from the Cowboy Rides for Free. Hey, Robert, how's it going tonight? It's going pretty darn good. Gentlemen, it's nice to be here to talk about a little football. Yeah, we had a little technical issue. I don't know. I've installed some new software, and it's been glitchy, but I can assure you after tonight um, I won't be using it anymore because this is like the third time I've had a problem with it. And ironically, I start – an hour early and I test the darn stuff and it works fine and then as soon as I have a guest come on it starts to go um, completely nuts so I, I don't know why that is but it is what it is the more the more it seems like the more I try to make it easier the harder it gets <laughs> that's how it works technology is a beautiful thing yeah I don't know if you if you could hear me when I was talking right before you came on but I was saying that Oklahoma State is probably the most perplexing team to me going into the season. Um, I've read all the publications and all the different picks, and you know I've seen y'all pick any, you know, all over the place. Some people got you as a sleeper team that can surprise and go on a crazy run. But then I've heard people say, "Well, they're way overvalued." And I find myself somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what to think of the, of Oklahoma State this year. I mean, obviously last year was not what, you know, we'd come to expect the last couple of years. So I guess from your perspective, what are your – somebody that knows the team well, covers them every day, knows the personnel, um, where, do you, where do you see them? I mean, are they a legitimate Big 12 contender or is this kind of another rebuilding year for 2016? So what do you think? Well, I'd, I'd say the first first thing is it depends on how much of the Kool-Aid you're drinking. All right. So uh, I I think the biggest thing, you know, we as as fans, um, well, we're a bunch of us are of, of the mindset that we're never going to be as good as we are the night before we play our first game. So up until that point, we, uh, the you know potential is the key word. And I think if you look at last season and kind of how it played out, um you know, a lot of people look at that and say, uh, you know, without delving into it, hey, they they were they ended up seven and six, and uh, and didn't have a great team. Had a, had not a great defense, very young, inexperienced um, offensive line. Uh, had some injury issues and inexperience, and had a last second coaching change. You know, right right around signing day that that had had a little bit of an impact, and. And so people will look at that and say, well, look, they were 7-6 and six with a not-great team, and now they've got talent coming back, and they do have experience now. We're expecting a lot. Well, last season was one play. I mean, really, last season uh, amounted to – I mean, Bob Stoops basically saved OSU's season. That's yeah. really what happened to it. Okay, so there's no other way to put it. 
I mean, if that return, if he decide, if he doesn't make the, one of the most idiotic decisions ever in the history of college football coaching, um, OSU probably doesn't win that game, and they don't go to a bowl, and maybe we're not as excited about it. Um, I've said going into this that I think out of all the teams in the Big 12, Oklahoma State has the widest range of possible outcomes. You know, you could this team could could stumble. They could still be young. Uh, Rudolph could could have you know they call it the sophomore slump. He didn't even really have a freshman season. He had three decent games. You know, they could they could fumble around the defensive uh, side of the ball, which is supposed to be really experienced. Could come out and we could say, well, they're experienced. Maybe they're not as talented as we thought they were. Team could goof around. Pretty easily, you've got to, you know, you, t- going to Texas, going to Austin is not going to be an easy game. Uh, going to West Virginia is not going to be an easy game. And then you've got uh, a brutal three out of four games in a row, TCU, Baylor, OU. And I don't care you're playing them in Stillwater. Uh, so it, it's this team could, could be five and seven. This team, honest to goodness, with the Big 12 the way it is, this team could end up going eleven and one. Yeah, Easily. I don't have eleven and I don't have eleven and one on my high end. I mean, I could see nine or ten if some things fall right, but I, I don't, but I don't have your low end at five and seven. I think six and six. So I'm somewhere between nine and three, six and six. I mean, I guess it's something you know, you know, Baylor, you know, Oklahoma at home. You know, you pulled one of those out. You know, you know, win two or three against Tennessee, uh, TCU, and them. Maybe maybe get to ten or eleven, but yeah, I mean it's it's uh, that's why I said in the opening it's it, you're the most perplexing team for me because everybody else, uh, you know, I, I feel like I know where, what they're going to be, and then honestly, even though even if it, even if I wasn't a Texas guy, I think our our team is is, is even is, is perplexing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about us right now, but I don't know what to expect with us. I mean, I could see us. The, the wheels completely falling off and, and, and winning four games, or I could see eight or nine too. Uh, so I don't think we're as perplexing as, as y'all. But y'all, I've gone round and round for several weeks trying to say, man, this, this team, like, like and, I, and I think you made a good point. I, I didn't say drinking the Kool-Aid, but I said, you know, I went back and thought, I thought the same take that you did. I said, okay, you know, Oklahoma basically handled that game, so they got a little, you know, a little, a little momentum there, and then they got into the bowl game and won that. So people are feeding on that end of season. But I mean, if you lose that Oklahoma game, like you said, people have a whole different, a whole different outlook. And again, you know, Rand, Rudolph looked pretty good, um, but now he's got the reins, and like you said, what's he really going to do? So. Who are some other people on offense um, if you are going to get to that nine or ten wins that really need to step up? Well, I think I think it all starts with the offensive line. The offensive line was the big question mark. Uh, everybody points to Rudolph coming in last season after Garmin uh, was was uh, suffered a concussion against Texas. Um, mm-hmm. So when he came in, it's like, oh my God, the offense looked different. And people forget real quick that uh, Zach Veach. Uh, was able to come back in uh, for the offensive line, all right? And uh, Zach Beach, oh, God, there's been so much shuffling going on. It it was either – it was Crabtree. I'm sorry, it was uh, Crabtree came back in off of injury. Uh, And they had Zach Beach, who was a converted tight end type player, trying to play offensive line. So Crabtree comes back off injury. 
I think one other player came back off injury, and all of a sudden the offensive line actually looked serviceable. They uh, they got this big kid, uh, Victor Salako, who was a transfer from UAB when they blew their football mm-hmm. program up, who is, uh, by all accounts, playing fairly well and has locked down uh, the left tackle position uh, on the line. So if the offensive line can play, they don't, the offensive line doesn't have to be fantastic. If the offensive line can be just, you know, mo- you know, a moderate offensive line, uh, Rudolph is good enough. He's a, he's, he's got pretty good pocket presence. He's a Ben Roethlisberger style of a QB, probably not going to light you up for, you know, 25 out of 30 and 500 yards. But uh, he's fairly efficient with the ball, and he's tough to bring down. He's a big kid, 6'4". Some accounts have him close to 240 pounds. Um, So he's a hard guy to bring down. If you watch a couple of those tapes of those games, you know, he has pretty good, you know, pocket awareness, and he he doesn't go down with an arm tackle. you got to get a hold of him. So if the offensive line can just be moderately good, then the next step is going to be the backfield. And I think the backfield is the biggest unknown. I think the offensive line could be okay, but you've got a guy who's never been the number one running back. He got dinged up. He's been dinged up a little bit uh, through last season, getting more carries. And you got a kid who's never played a snap at Division I football from junior college. And now, by again, by all accounts from camp, both of them have done very well. They've got a pretty high-powered kid that came out of uh, Stanford, Texas. Uh, this is Jeff Carr. He's a freshman who's uh, supposed to be pretty fast, but he's a freshman. Um, so I think the, the running game, for me, uh, if you're going to have a moderate offensive line, you need some guys that can create some opportunities on their own. Uh, and I, I just don't know if they have that. Uh, so you got Rennie Childs and Chris Carson. Rennie Childs being the returning, uh, the returning running back, the only returning running back with real experience. And then Chris Carson was a JUCO flip we got last minute from Georgia, uh, and he's he's the big guy. He's the power guy, six two, two hundred and I think fifteen pounds. Um, so it's just going to depend on how those guys work with the line. Uh, another interesting thing is this use of what OSU's calling their cowboy back, and they're making it sound like it's some kind of new deal. It's really just a hybrid fullback tight end type of a player. And, uh, and those guys are, are big and physical for the position. Uh, Jeremy Seaton, Blake Jarwin are guys that played last year and had success. So, you know, I think really for OSU's offense, it's really going to key off of can the offensive line can just just continue what they did the last three games of last year? Just continue that, and can the running backs uh, you know start to get that average that that rushing average back up closer to five yards of carry as opposed to like three point five or three point six, which they had, which is just terrible the last couple of years. So I think that's on offensive side of the ball. I'd say the offensive line. And uh, those two running backs, Childs and Carson, are going to be going to be really big uh, big keys to whether or not the offense can uh, do something. Yeah, you know, you know, several years ago on the on the defensive side of the ball, when y'all were you know running off the 10, 11 win seasons, and you know were you know had really turned the corner and then starting to get some national prominence, 
I, I think what obviously the your offense was a big part of that, but um, your your defense was able to create lots of turnovers. I mean, they were able to create field position. You know, they would give up a you know a lot of yardage, and then teams would move the ball, and then bam, a big play, and and those things. And I really saw that was lacking last year. Um, so, who are some guys on defense we can look for? And I tell you what, a guy I'm interested to find out about as well is one of your true freshmen. What what are the Kent reports on him? Obviously, he was a former UVet and. You know, I'm not going to – everybody knows the story that, you know, things went wrong, you know, on a visit and those things. But Lewis Brown, how – excuse me, I tried to catch it, but I couldn't do it. Um, how is yeah. Lewis Brown performing? Well, so there hasn't been a lot of chatter about Lewis Brown so far in camp. Um, yeah. What we're – the players we're hearing a lot about are Juco transfer uh, Jordan Burton who, uh, uh-huh. by all accounts, is just all over the field. And he's at that star uh, linebacker position, which is that sort of that hybrid, uh, it's a big safety. It's a safety who's he's a little bigger than your normal safety, but he's not really big enough to be a true linebacker. Uh, yeah, so he plays kid, I, think, I think he's a kid that's originally played out of Kilgore, isn't he? And he went to actually went yes. to Kilgore Junior College, yeah. Yes, yeah. And he's, he's, uh, he's just had a fantastic spring. And he's had a fantastic fall camp. Cornerback uh, is going to be a pretty stiff position. Um, Kevin Peterson, who was uh, all Big 12, um, he uh, had to have his knee scoped. Not a major uh, thing, so he was going to be out a couple weeks. I honestly don't think they're going to play him uh, till they feel like they have to because the depth at that position, the OSU is three deep on both sides cornerback all players with experience all players they trust coaches have talked about in practice they haven't had a lot of drop-offs so you're going to hear a lot about Kevin Peterson but you're also going to hear a lot about Ashton Lampkin mm-hmm. who uh, started last year but then had a season-ending injury uh, Ramon Richards who came in for him and kind of learned it on the on the go and you know gave up some plays but boy he turned in some big plays uh, McTavish Jones uh, is a kid who's been in the program a while and has worked on getting more time. OSU nailed another uh, one of these, you know, graduate transfers, kid from Indiana, Michael Hunter, who's got a lot of experience under his belt, apparently stepped in and really uh, really picked up the ball and ran with it. And then they've got a kid that was a fairly highly touted recruit, uh, Darius Curry uh, from Georgia, who uh, has, uh, has been, you know, getting mentioned in fall camp a lot. So they're really – they're really sick, you know, let's say three deep on each side. So Peterson being out is not going to be a big deal. Like I said, they'll probably not play him until they really feel like they need to just to make sure he's all right. But I'll tell you what, the biggest thing is going to be, I think, Emmanuel Ogba on the defensive end position. I think he is going to have an absolute – by the time he's done, people aren't going to be talking about Sean Oakland at Baylor. This kid, yeah. this kid is a monster. He's a he. I guarantee you, he's a top ten NFL draft pick. Uh, he's just a monster, and he's a good kid. He's quiet, works hard. Uh, the other guy on the other end, Jimmy Bean, is a is a hell of a player, and I think he's got a chance to have a pretty good year if people are focused on Ogba. Um, so, middle of the defensive line, uh, we had a bad injury. We had a kid who was who was slated to start, Billy Lavini, good size. A decent player, and uh, he uh, blew his Achilles out, so he's done for the season. 
So depth might be a little bit of an issue. They may they've got a kid, Darian Daniel, a big big freshman who actually came in looking like he'd be ready to play, but they may try to you know they may try to hold him back if they can get away with the players they've got. Uh, I think defensively, this group that here's here's what I'd say. You talked about the turnovers. 2011 defense, okay, was not a great defense if you take away those turnovers. I mean, that defense gave up yardage out the kazoo, okay? The defense that was solid was 2013. That was a defense. They didn't get as many turnovers, but they got stops. They shut teams down when they needed to sometimes. So, I mean, that was one of the best defenses in the Big 12 that year. So I think this defense has a chance to be closer to that. I think the turnover thing, you can work on turnovers. You work on creating them. But you got to have a little luck. I mean, would you agree with that? you got to have a little luck with the turnover thing. Oh, yeah, and sometimes it's just timing. But, yeah, the, the two, y'all 2013 defense gave up, you know, on scoring defense about 21 points a game. And then last year you went all the way as high as 31 so that was a 10-point swing. But also, too, with that 2013 group as a team, y'all were plus 15 in turnovers. So, one, you were getting stops, holding teams to 21, and you were getting positive turnovers. In 2014, y'all were minus eight. So the whole wheels came off, basically, in 2014. Well, and the amazing thing was that it really hinged on, uh, on one injury, and that was Walsh going down in the second game of the season. Because that, mm-hmm. that kid... Uh, I'm just say this: that kid is one of the best kids I've ever seen come through a college football program. He he he. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say he stepped aside, but when it was evident that Rudolph was gonna be the starter, he had he just adopted that role of the backup, the elder statesman. Well, fine. You know what? Let me teach this kid. And he's even said that. He would love to come back someday and coach at Oklahoma State. So he is totally bought into the program, and and I tell you what, it, it just it, it stinks because injury has taken away some of his uh, opportunity. Um, but I, I think last season could have been you know maybe slightly different if he hadn't got hurt, just because he's the kind of quarterback that could cover up you know with his mobility could cover up the offensive line's uh, shortcomings. Um, but he he just uh, we couldn't have a better couldn't have a better backup. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I'll I'll say this. This is the thing I would say about the conference. There's there's two constants, two things we can depend on. All right. One TCU should be pretty good. They've got Boykins back. Uh, Patterson's a hell of a coach. TCU is going to be pretty good. Baylor, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to have to show me. Because they got a brand new quarterback, so, so I, 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 I'm not, I'm not buying just yet. I'm not saying Brown's a good coach. I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's a good coach, and uh, and they've got some talent. So I'm not saying they're going to stink, but I, I, I you know, I, I need to see something from Seth Russell before I just jump on the wagon there. Uh, and Kansas is going to stink. Iowa State's probably not going to be very good. And I think everything else, Texas Tech is flying under the radar. Nobody's talking about them. Okay? Nothing's going on there. You got uh, Kansas State. Nobody's really talking about Kansas State. Nobody's really talking about West Virginia. So, 
you know, you, you got teams that are sort of floating around there that, you know, we really don't know anything about. And who knows what they're going to do. I think the Big 12 outside of TCU is a little bit of a crapshoot this year. Yeah, it's going to be – I mean, I, I agree with you on TCU. I mean, on paper, they, they look pretty solid. But I, I'm, I'm still leaning a little bit to, to with them that if they're not careful, they're somebody's going to slip up on them because I don't care. They lost five or six guys on defense that were really, really good players. Yeah, you can replace them. Uh, but, but, again, you don't know what – I mean, you, you, you expect them to be replaced. But, again, those other players that left, you know, that graduated, you knew what you had with them. These are guys that you're, you're really expecting them to do something. You haven't seen them really do it at the big-time level yet. So I, I think that their defense is going to take a little step back. But, again, will it take enough step back that somebody outscores them? Because, obviously, offense is going to be very um, um, very dynamic. There, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, and OU – OU doesn't have a quarterback, so uh, who the hell knows what they're going to do? They're going to—they'll probably run P Ryan until they kill him. So, uh, well, you know, you would you would think that, but they've gone more to that air raid, and in their offensive line, they've lost another starter, I think, and uh, yeah. hurt in the offensive line. I mean, I could I could really see this thing um, really going bad if another injury or two and some things. Some distinction kicking. I mean, I could see OU really bottoming out to 500 this year. I mean, I, I've, I've got. I don't. I'm not high on them at all right now. I, I think they're the team that, that the Stoops could be in some real trouble after this year if it, if it goes well. How I, I think it could go. I was just about to ask you that, and I agree with you 100. percent So, so you know, who who the heck knows? And I just say I think that just goes to the point that the Big 12. You just look, and we make our predictions, we'll make our predictions, but holy mackerel, uh, are there, you know, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of possibilities of things. I mean, OU could go south, but Lincoln Riley may revive the whole deal. Texas, who knows, maybe, maybe swoops, turns out to play a little bit or something happened, and Hurd gets his opportunity, and all of a sudden he turns into this kid that when he's on the field, he's electric. You know, Texas Tech. They've they've almost always got a good offense, but they made a they made a new hire at their defensive uh, on the defensive side. Maybe that guy turns it around a little. Maybe Oklahoma State comes out and Mason Rudolph's the next Brandon Whedon. You know who the heck who the heck knows? Uh, you know who the heck knows? Yeah, the the only thing that you know I feel confident in picking with the Big Twelve is you know, obviously you got to give TCU the. The, the the nod. I mean, on paper, and then obviously the way they you know finish the season, you know one you know one loss last year, basically everybody back. Yeah, they're 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 the favorite. But um, but let me let me change gears with you. Um, I've been asking everybody this question because I mean I, it's the question that, that that doesn't go away. I mean I I don't think the the Big Twelve is going to implode tomorrow, um, but I, I'm still of the belief that major. Um, shakeup is coming sooner than later you know it's going to be four big conferences or something this playoffs uh, money is going to be so big that they're going to tear up that the current contract and go to eight teams I mean do you see us adding teams us imploding and everybody going to wherever they feel is best for them um, what are your thoughts on on the whole big 12 realignment issue well i Look, do I think the conference is going to implode? No, I think uh, I think you can't you can't have teams that are members of a conference getting ranked in the top you know 
five or six teams in the country, say Baylor and TCU, uh, in a conference that, that needs to implode. So the, here's the thing I'd say about the, the playoff and expansion. If the, the people that have control of this thing think that it's going to go to eight teams sooner rather than later, which I'm kind of in that camp a little bit, uh, I just think eight is a, is a great number just for a variety of reasons. If they think uh-huh. it's going to go to eight sooner than later, you don't need to add teams. Because if you go to eight, if you just think about this, last year if it was an eight-team playoff, Big 12 got two teams in it. Well, sure. So, yeah. so at that point, if it's not, if you're thinking, hey, this, you know, they're liable to sit on this for a while, all right, listen, you add a couple of teams. You know, add a couple of teams. It's hard. You gotta make it's. It's not an easy choice who you add. Uh, no, you know, it's BYU. Not. Yeah, BYU is probably based on everything I've read. BYU looks to be the one team that sort of everybody goes back to to say, well, you need you should add BYU. They come up in most of the conversation, but then after that, who do you add? Who do you well, add see, that brings what, any cachet? Well, this is this is the key when, when, when adding teams, and people can't seem to separate this. People want to add somebody who may be a good football program, wins, losses, and everything. What are they economically? In other words, you talk about Baylor, you know, a, a Big 12 can't implode. Okay, yeah. See, I, I, I take a different approach because I can separate the money from what okay, Baylor and TCU, obviously, yeah, the last couple of years they have been incredibly good football teams. But with all that said, TCU's gonna have thirty to thirty two thousand people at their home football game. They just don't generate T V, they don't they don't generate much economics. So, um, you know, it's all about the mighty dollar. Now, I'm not saying that's correct. I'm just telling you um, bringing TCU into the Big 12 was a great football standpoint. But, like, if we just bring somebody in and they don't bring any other TV markers or anything to the table, all the other teams, including Oklahoma State, they're just now giving up another million dollars to give to somebody else who's bringing nothing to the table other than a, than another team to play. So I think that's where the struggle is. If we knew if, if we knew we could pull somebody from another conference like a a Clemson or, a, you know, hell, even a Louisville, when they were interested, somebody that's going to bring something, not just a good program and other good programs, basketball, baseball, and, you know, some women, some good women's sports, it's viable. But just to add, like, you know, South Florida or something, well, they, they bring nothing. They don't, they don't bring any economics. Everybody has to cut the pie up a little more, and nobody's just willing to do that at this point. Right. No, I, I agree with that. It, you got, that's why I say it's, in all the conversations, BYU is really the only team I've heard come up that carries with it any kind of recognition. Yeah. I mean, mate, mate, Boise State, Boise State has some recognition nationally, but it, but geographically, it's ridiculous. Yeah, we don't, um, we don't gain anything by going to that. Re- I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no really big TV market. There's no recruiting base. I mean, it may help them right. get into Texas and get some Texas players, but what does it do for you? Oh, it doesn't do anything for Texas or Oklahoma State other than having another game on the schedule. Right, yeah. I, I think if they, if they think, I mean, I personally 
think that this playoff, I, I personally think it's going to go to eight teams sooner than people think. I think it's, there's just too yeah. much money in it. It's too big of a big deal. It, eight teams is, is perfect. And I, I had written about this several years before this happened. Eight teams is perfect. You're not cutting anybody out that, has, that would have a legit shot at winning the whole thing. Ninth or tenth or 11th ranked team in the country. He's not winning the national championship. It's not going to happen. No. All right. No. But you're but you're not cutting out a team, you know, like a TCU or a Baylor, like last year, that arguably, you know, could say, hey, we should have been the number four team to make the playoff. So I, I think the thing will go to eight sooner than later. The question is, you know, is it going to go to eight before the Big 12 feels like they're in a bind and, and need to add the two teams. Well, yeah, that, that, that's right. I agree if it goes to eight, there's not much um, reason to, because if we get two teams like we did last year, we're going to have two to go. And, and, that, and that's what I, actually, that's what I would like to say happen, you know, see happen. Just go to eight teams in the playoff. How awesome would it be um, that about six or seven years in a row after they do that, let's say one year it's Texas and, and Oklahoma in the playoffs, and next year it's TCU, and let's say Oklahoma State gets in. You know, in other words, the Big 12 gets just about two teams every year, and then my friends in college stations are all sitting there shaking their heads saying, oh, man, we're bottom feeders in the SEC. That just breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> you Absolutely. I could live with that. And I, I'll say this, too. OU and Texas, y- y'all need to get your act together, okay? Oh, as much, as I, as, no much as I like Oklahoma State to do well, I love TCU and Baylor, to all the teams to do well, uh, OU and Texas can't be stumbling around. There's too much national recognition. We, we, no. you know, that helps bring attention to the conference. Trust me, I, I feel about about OU as you do, and, and I and I've said this the last several weeks on the show. I said the way this playoff thing is, and and the way that you know all this conference pride and all this nonsense is, uh, we need that that. That game in October up there in the Cotton Bowl needs needs to mean something. I mean, we both I, – I've hammered our program and I hammered OU's the other day. I'm not disrespecting no other football team in the Big 12 because I can't because everybody else is kicking our butt right now. But bottom line, if, if OU and Texas were OU and Texas, TCU or Baylor, one of them would have probably gotten the playoffs. The reason they didn't get in is because we're bad. I mean, the Big 12 needs both of us to be good, and if we want the Big 12 to stay together, we better get good because if it don't, it is going to implode because it's just, like you said, people are going to panic, and they're not going to see a reason to, to stick around. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, we need the, the, the Red River shootout to be a big game. We need the – we need Bedlam to be a big game at the end of the year. I mean, I agree. We need everybody to be good. Now, as, as other fan bases, yeah, you know, you don't want them to be real damn good, but you know what I'm saying. We, we need everybody to be good. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, well, when, you, and when we say everybody, you just want to make clear to anybody who's a Kansas fan, we're not talking about you. Okay. That's right. Well, yeah, Kansas, <laughs> poor Kansas. They're, they, yeah. I, I tell you what, David Beatty, they, I talked to, I got a friend that covers um, – Kansas and boy, we we broke them down last week and boy David Beatty is well he he's gonna I mean I mean he's got a he's got a rough road there I mean if he turns that in in the next couple of years and pulls six or seven wins out of that they'll be building I mean I mean they're not gonna be able to keep him obviously but I mean it's gonna it's, that is a major rebuilding job I mean it's 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 at an all time low there 
There's no well, here, you, you speaking of an all-time low, here's your all-time low, because I'm getting ready to, to put a, a post up on uh, Land Grant Gauntlet, which covers the Big 12 as a whole, and I'm working on a post for quarter, or trimester, kind of trimester schedule. So what I'm doing is I'm splitting the season up, just looking at the last 10 years, splitting the season up in, you know, everything before October, everything after October, and the month of October. Because they always do this with the NFL. They talk about who's winning games in December and stuff like that. So in doing it, I ran across this fun stat. Since 2010, okay, the last five seasons, Kansas has not won a single football game in the month of October. They are o. They are o for twenty. O oh. for twenty in the month of October. So, <laughs> when we, I just want to make sure we're clear. When we say everybody, we need everybody to be good. <laughs> we're in no way suggesting Kansas is about to be good. That poor guy Beatty, and everybody loves him. They said he's a great guy, got personality. Yeah. They all enjoy talking to him. It's Big Twelve Media Days. But I tell you what, that's that is that is that is no place to go for football. Well, and that's probably why our conversation after about ten or twelve minutes of football talk, talk turned to um, Kansas basketball and shock of smart talk. It, it went it went it went the basketball real quick. So yeah, it, <laughs> it is what it is. So I mean, and and, and yeah, and and it shook you know. Kansas probably needs to be in a, in a in another another conference or something other than you know the Big Twelve for football. I mean it is what it is. But well, Robert, I'm gonna let you go and shut tonight's show down. But definitely tell our listeners where they can read all your stuff and obviously um, chat with you on that old Twitter if they want to. That's right. You got uh, if you want to chat me on Twitter, it's uh, Robert W underscore O K S T. So Robert W underscore O K st and uh where i'm obviously one of the contributors at cowboys ride for free www.cowboysrideforfree.com i also on the odd occasion have been contributing to uh a new site that covers the big 12 as a whole called the land grant gauntlet so it's the landgrantgauntlet.com do a little bit of that over there but catch me on twitter i'm i'm on and off there but when i get on i usually rant for a little bit go off on stuff so during football season, y'all always do your, your little thing during the week. Um, I, I can't even remember what it's called, what, what Bob Stoop says or what this person says, a neat, neat little thing, and then y'all post them in your deal. So that's always fun to, to read and look up at, too. I always find that fun to play in, too. So. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the comments, the, the game thread comments. Those are yeah. those are those were a big deal we did last year. That that was really a big hit. So uh, so yeah, we'll be doing that again. So you definitely want to check those out. But yeah, thank Mike. Thanks. It's always a pleasure to come on. And uh, thank God we're coming on to talk about football because it's been a it's been a long dark football winter. Yeah, and definitely tell um, you know uh, we always have a lot of Oklahoma State people when y'all come to um, um, Austin. Um, a whole bunch of Oklahoma State people come by our tailgate. So if you have any friends or anybody that are looking for a place to grab a bite to eat and have a cold one before the game, tell them to hit me up, and um, they're more than welcome to come by, Robert. No, we'll definitely have them down. When we did our preseason survey, the, the away game, everybody uh, that won the, the poll that we did was going to Austin. Everybody said if they were going to go to an away game, they'd go to Austin. So I'm sure some folks will see you down there. All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll talk at you soon. Thank you.
Mm-hmm. Robert Wetzel from the Cowboy Rides for Free coming on talking about Oklahoma State. Uh, I will say this, Gundy has done an excellent job there, and I'm sure he'll have the Cowboys uh, well prepared because them in the, in the six or seven win realm has, has become out of the norm for them. So I look for them to rebound. Um, like I said, they're probably my most perplexing um, Big 12 team. I, I, I'm going to peg them at about eight and four. I think if some things go right, like I said, I think they could get that ninth win. Um, things go bad, they could be at the seven win. So probably a, a, a swing game for them, for them getting the eight or nine wins is probably against us in Austin, and that's probably going to be a swing game for us. So uh, the winner of that game is probably going to be able to exceed some expectations this year. The one that loses that game is probably – um, going to end up not real happy where their season ended. So with that said, uh, we'll be back next Wednesday. Uh, we'll be previewing um, another team. So look for my tweets. Again, you can find me on Twitter at MBHornsFan. Um, thanks again for listening. I'm sorry about the technical issues again. Man, we're going to get that worked out. You can trust me, I'm as frustrated as you about it, but we'll get everything working. But with that said, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook them horns, and we'll see you next week.